Hey everybody, welcome to the Full Frame uh, Podcast. Could you just oh. uh, just uh, take, stop and take it from the top one more time. Okay, okay, you ready? Sweet, okay. Uh, guys, I'm here with Roberto Carmona. Uh, he's a DC filmmaker. Uh, we both went to Mason together way back when, but uh, he just released a new film, or is in the middle of uh, just starting to release a new film called Dakota. Roberto, welcome. Thank you, Zach. Um, it's been, we were just talking about, it's been a couple of years since uh, you and I even, we've messaged and whatnot back and forth, but uh, it's been a couple of years since we've actually like had a conversation and been able to talk as filmmakers. So I'm excited that you're releasing this film so I can come and interview you. I'm excited to be interviewed. Um, and uh, Roberto was one of the, fe- one of the first uh, interviews uh, for the last iteration, the first iteration of uh, the Zach and Zach podcast. So uh, we're happy to have him back. Back in 2013, I think. Back in, uh, yeah, yeah, it was a long time How ago. How time escapes us, man. It's crazy. So um, we're going to get to Dakota, as I said, but uh, I wanted to talk about since Suffering Cassandra, um, which was a feature you did, very low budget feature back way back when. Um, since then, I wanted to talk about kind of what's what's up, what's your life about, what have you been working on since then? Sure. So I did Suffering Cassandra, which was uh, like like you mentioned, a very low budget sort of ambitious little feature that I made with some friends in the area um, in 2013, which is more or less right after I graduated college. Uh, you know, so in, in the years following college and following Suffering Cassandra. I, uh, you know, I sort of started my career as a video professional in Washington, D.C., and that ranged from doing corporate uh, commercials to uh, obviously political. It's a big split, man. I mean, I think when when political season is on, right, right. you know, as, as it'll be coming up next year, then it's then it's really heavy into that, you know. And if it's not necessarily for campaigns, it'll be sometimes for um, NGOs or, or advocacy you know, groups yeah. that are still doing sort of not necessarily voting campaigns, but campaigns around a certain issue. Um, and then on the corporate end, um, it's more just, you know, like it's the, the typical corporate grind, right? It's institutions, organizations, hospitals, companies, X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So uh, during that time, are you, have you, are you a short film guy or are you mainly, I, you know, you gosh, I, I, I never, I just was never a short film guy. I made yeah. one short film before I made Suffering Cassandra, um, which was a film called Highball, which I think you guys might have screened, yeah. HMD might have screened for something once upon a time. Uh, and it's not, you know, it's nothing against shorts. I think shorts are an excellent way to build your craft and become a better filmmaker. I just, I don't know. I've, I've, I don't have the patience for it. Yeah. <laughs> I, for me, if I'm going to, if I'm going to suffer and put myself through through the the pain that it is to make uh, a film come to fruition, I just go all the way and try and usually go for a feature. So, yeah. So, um, when did you get around to starting to write Dakota? When did the first idea come about? So, like like you mentioned, made Suffering Cassandra in 2013, right? right? Uh, did the festival circuit? We won some awards, X, Y, and Z. But ultimately, it was a pretty small film, you know. Um, so it wasn't like our uh, our sort of it wasn't global domination, right? right? So after suffering Cassandra, I thought to myself, okay, so I made the the four thousand dollar indie, right. right? So how do I scale this? Because I think most things in life are about process, man, right? right? It's you, you, if you if you can the production is not the hard part of making a movie, right? right? Actually, production is arguably the easiest part. The hard part is where do you get the money from, right? right? How do you build an infrastructure to support yourself as a human and also take on these creative endeavors? So I spent from 2013 to 2018 to last year 
sort of trying to build that structure and build that process. So I wrote, before I wrote Dakota, I had this other script that was super ambitious and it was going to be like my two and a half hour sort of like Scorsese-esque epic about this like Uber driver. It was like a, ta- it was like a modern take on taxi driver. And, uh, and whilst I thought it was a terrific script and to this day still think it's a terrific script, you know, I found myself in late 2015 after trying to partner with everybody that I knew still with no money to make the film and no real means. So I thought to myself, okay, maybe I need to not think smaller, but maybe think a little smarter about, you know, what I have available to myself. So I've always been a big fan of music and I thought to myself, okay, I know musicians, I like music, so what if I wrote kind of a, a music comedy like once or Inside Lewin Davis or Begin Again? And uh, over the course of a week in early 2016, I wrote the first draft of Dakota, which, you know, a couple months later became a full-flown, you know, fledged out script. Um, and you know, then I began this two-year process of okay, I've got something that I think is actually more feasible. It's not going to take two million dollars to make right. or whatever, you know. So, so now how do I make it? And that's when I, I I finally started going back to the same people that I had already tried to raise money from or partner with, but with with, with a new script this time and something yeah. where where they could more clearly see okay, there could be a path to success here. Um, and yeah, two years later, we finally made the thing in 2018. So, who, what were the partnerships? Who were you talking to? What were, who were you going for the investments? Like? Yeah, so so I won't name any specific names, but I will say, raising money in general, right, is a bit of a you have to build a, a bit of a callus for it, right? right? Which means it's it's just sales, man, right? I mean, in a lot of ways, you have to be able to knock on doors and get a million no's and and be able to sleep with that at night, you right. know? Because at the end of the day. It's just about finding the correct yes, right? <laughs> you know. So I mean, I knocked on just about every door that I knew. You know, any anybody that I knew that had means that that could that I knew supported the arts that would be interested. Um, and again, it took two years to, to finally put the the, the funds together. Um, and again, it's not like we made this for for a million bucks or anything, but we had enough funds to pay a crew, pay actors, and, and get the rights that we needed, right? Yeah. Um, but but like any value proposition, when you're coming to somebody. To, to, to give to give you money, nobody no person with money is ever just going to give you money because they like you, right? Any any people that have found a way to to have enough money to be able to even invest in something fun like a film, you know, understand that you have to mitigate risk, right? So that's where um, getting our lead actress Phoebe Ryan, who's a you know a veritable pop star, she's got chart-topping hits with the Chainsmokers, Tovlo, Cascade, um, you know, g- getting her on board really helped mitigate that risk for the investors that put the money in the film, you know, and I mean, that's the traditional model of how you make a movie, right? right. You, you secure your star, but I think there is, there's there's truth to that because all, all people with money that want to invest in stuff want to do is mitigate risk, you right. know, so I think that's an important lesson to learn as a filmmaker is it's not just like, oh, believe in me, it's, hi, you're taking a big chance on me, here's how I'm going to try to mitigate your risk right. on your investment. Right. So, yeah. so um, what was what kind of plan did you go into to these people? I mean, did you have a plan written out? Were you talking about you know? Were you looking at distribution and festivals and all these things ahead of time? Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a. And, and by the way, we are in a public space here, so you might hear some people walking in and out. Um, just wanted to mention that. So. Again, uh, without without giving too much away, it's what do they call it? The, the egg in the basket. What do they call that when you have one but you don't have the other? Right? You know, I, I know the. You know yeah, what I'm talking the about? The old adage. For. I don't. So just, whatever it is. I don't know the old adage offhand. So, um, so we had a, we had this business plan that we thought was pretty bulletproof, right? Mm-hmm. And the business plan was, in a lot of ways, you know, look, we we will secure the money and then we will find 
X actor, and we won't touch X money until X actor is is found right. and locked into the project. But again, what you find is that's not good enough for most right. people. Most people still don't buy that, you know. So what I actually ended up doing was after a year, year and a half of working with that same plan and, and it not working, and it not working out, uh, I went to <laughs> I started going to these to these agencies that represented some of these people like Phoebe Ryan mm. and. Um, you know, just just seeing if what if what if I did just try to pitch these people on the script, you know, and what if I did try to build some interest that way and then finance the project, you know. And what I found is that actually that worked. Right. You know, I ended up going with uh, with an agency out in L.A. that represented Phoebe, and uh, she was able to get the the script in front of her, and she ended up becoming a big fan of the script. And next thing I knew, and I was a fan of Phoebe. I mean, my girlfriend had been listening to her since 2016. I'd been to her concerts before she was involved with this project at all. I mean, it's funny yeah. to think back that I was there watching her live to think, oh yeah, two years later I'm going to be casting you in a. Film, right. You know, but um, you know, I went to them, and it turned out she was interested, and you know, we we still didn't have any promises made, but we I thought to myself, okay, here's somebody real, you yeah. know. Um, I took that back to to people that were interested in making the film, and and that was enough to sort of give us a green light to move gotcha. forward. So, how were you making? How did you make contact with the agencies out there? Right? I mean, is it picking up a phone call? It'll yeah yeah. I, I, one of my mentors taught me early on that you can send a lot of emails. You can send a million emails, but there's nothing like picking up the phone. Right. <laughs> so uh, I you know I I kind of did. It, it's it's amazing with the internet how much information is out there. You know. So actually, we got to Phoebe circumventionally because I was trying to reach out to this other uh, singer that I was a fan of who's a male singer for a different role in the film and I somehow through very very deep internet research found his managers online it's like somebody's random email somewhere and I you know I sent a very kind of suggestive email about this film and how he would be perfect for it and X, Y, and Z and, you know, talking myself up as a director and then next thing I know his talent agency reached out to me on the side, you know, and, uh, yeah, and said, hey, listen, uh, we, we heard you reached out to X uh, artist. We're interested in this. Um, also, have you cast? We, we took a look at the script. Have you casted your female lead? Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's how we ended up getting Phoebe. Very so, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, between casting Phoebe and getting that locked down and then going into production, how long was that time? Man, so short. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I think we, uh, I met Phoebe for the first time in march of 2018 uh, i went out to la and we we had a meeting and then we began production in august so wow okay yeah that what is that four months maybe yeah, yeah. Like it that. is really quick yeah. so how much of the film had you before going out and having that meeting in la how much of the film was in terms of the rest of the cast and the crew pulled together the script okay got it so that's it so it was very much the casting that kind of got everything the, the casting gave us the casting gave us the green light to to pull everything else together. And now that's not to say that it wasn't an, an immense lift right. to get the rest of the film prepared to start shooting. <laughs> if within four months, you know, listen, we had 27 locations, a cast of 32, 150 extras. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty big production, you yeah. know? Yeah. So who else on the producing team is there along with you? Or is it just you? No. So, um, so it's it's always kind of been the same the same crew. It's been uh, myself. It's been uh, Stephen Stanley, who's a producer out of LA and Savannah, um, who's worked on some other cool stuff that really kind of gave us a uh, a good in and, and leg up on on a lot of stuff. Uh, uh, Annie, Annie Schlossman, who is also my girlfriend, um, who this really couldn't have been done without her. And then my friend Eric Waldron, um, who was a yeah you know Eric yeah who was a producing consultant on the film that you know kind of helped open some doors for me and and really helped guide me in some ways along the project. So, Very cool. Yeah. So how long was the shoot? 
The shoot was 18 days of principal. We did uh, six day weeks for three weeks. So it was like Monday through Saturdays for three weeks uh, in a row. That was all Washington DC local based. And then we did two uh, extra days in New York City. Gotcha. And how grueling was that shoot? <laughs> you know, not very grueling at all, actually, yeah. which you would think that's insane, right? Because we had 27 locations spread right. over 18 days. But actually, you know, if, what you learn about a shoot like this is you have to have you have to have two really key things to make this happen. You have to have a really solid unit production manager, mm-hmm. right? Somebody who is a production manager, right. and you have to have a great first AD who's running your set. You know, listen, we didn't have we had one day where we went over 10 hours. It was 10 hour days every day. We had one 11 hour day, and you know, I'm really proud that we were able to make that happen. You know, so our, yeah. our crew. I you know I guess I'm speaking for my crew and maybe they'll come back and chastise me for this but I think everyone was pretty happy with the experience yeah man. yeah yeah it was had the crew had you worked with the crew before I've worked with a few of them on non sort of narrative film projects right okay. so I've worked with uh, with our DP Travis Edwards on kind of other corporate and commercial shoots in the area um, but actually most of the crew was new okay yeah wow and was that people you knew personally that you brought on or was it yeah, crew so recommendations from other crews. So as soon as I as soon as I got the green light that this thing was moving forward, you know, I I spent a lot of time uh, researching who I thought was going to be best for this thing, you mm-hmm. know, and that's whether that's reaching out to people that I trust, you know, that I say like, you know, who is who's the best sound person, you know, right? right? Like who's going to make it so that I don't have a heavy sound ADR lift right. on the on the back end of this movie, you know, and we had this guy Jake Weeks from Richmond who is just a master of the craft doing our sound. Um you know, who's the best art director, you know? Like who can I trust to really make every room sing? You know, we had right. Carrie Bear do that, you know, who's the best uh who's the best wardrobe designer I know, you know. And 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 anyway, so and so on and so forth. But right. we just ended up really I think assembling just a, a terrific team with every head of every department just like knocking it out of the park. Yeah. So that's that's how it all worked, man. You know. Well, and yeah. so and then you finished. Were you doing color or were you doing sound or both at Henninger? Because Eric yeah. Sandmark told me that you were he saw you in the hallway there. So, okay. So get this. So we started shooting August twentieth, right? We wrapped um, September twelfth. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's eighteen days plus the two days in New York. Okay. Uh, and we knew that there was quite a lot of deadlines that we wanted to hit, and those deadlines were like in early November, right. late October, right? So now we've got this film. Uh, we 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 very early on said, okay, we need to turn this around quickly after we film for right. two reasons. One because we one because I I Zach have no patience. Right. Okay. I I literally I lose interest in things as quickly as I think about them. Yeah. You know. So I know that I'm not gonna just now have this thing and sit on it for five months because I just can't like I, I can't like the project will never do anything right. you know um, I need immediate affirmation as <laughs> to yeah. what I've done so we put into our into our process uh, we hired Ashley Blue who is a good friend of yours yep. who was just the best DIT assistant editor we could have ever asked for I mean she was on set every single day not just media managing but then getting our project assembled, already starting to assemble scenes. So by the time I got the full thing after production, I mean, you know, we had something that I was gonna spend two weeks, 15 hour days straight right. cutting, you know, and that, that that's that's more gruesome than yep. than being on set. You know what I mean? That's that's really kind of like mania, but that's exactly what I did. So within two weeks after cutting, and me, because I went into the cutting floor immediately, yep. two weeks later, we had a cut of the feature, you know? Cool. Um, and not only that, but um, our unit production manager, AD Carson McKenzie Smith, we'll talk about in a second, had already set up uh, a just the best sound designer in New York City to take our film, and of course he was doing it at a budget. 
And because he was doing it on a budget, he said, okay, I have these dates to these dates. So yeah. it's not like I could take three months. It's like as soon as two weeks was up, I had to now be delivering the film to right. sound design. So it was two weeks, done with the film, off to sound design in New York. Yeah. Um, and then the color was the last thing that we didn't do until January of this year. So okay. the film was ready. We started submitting a, a cut sound design 5.1 mix x y and z film that looked great because we shot it really well right um and we put the cherry on top of the color at henniger earlier this year very cool so so what did you put that pressure the uh delivery pressure those deadlines were those festival deadlines for you guys yeah they were festival deadlines and then there was just other deadlines it's not even i wouldn't call them deadlines but yes festivals for sure but then also there were just some people that i wanted to keep sure. interested in the film. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and again, I won't divulge too much into what that means, but they're, you know, listen, you can you can get people excited about something, but then if they don't hear about it for another year, right. you know, is the fire still there? You know, right. and I'm all about momentum, man. So you you get something done, you get it done, and you, you keep people on the hook, so right. to speak. You know, so So yeah. um what right now you guys have premiered you premiered at DCIFF. We just premiered at DCIFF over the weekend, weekend which yep. I was sad I missed it, but I had to go had to go to Detroit. Had to go to sure. Motor City. Um, but I am going to catch the Richmond premiere. Oh, terrific! That's going to um, be awesome. Yeah. What What's your guys' agenda like right now, festival wise? So since we since we just kind of, in a lot of ways, just finished the film by most film standards, we um we're submitted to probably like forty film festivals. Okay. Right. So we've gotten we've we've been so fortunate to this early on already get into a few. Yeah. So like you mentioned, we premiered at a DC Independent Film Festival this past weekend, which we took home the best metro best in metro DC prize, which is pretty rad. Um, we got other local festivals. We got into Northern Virginia Film Festival, yeah. which we just got nominations for just about everything: best feature, best actress, supporting actor, X, Y, and Z. We just got a bunch of stuff in there. Um, we got into in- Richmond International uh, Film and Music Festival, which I'm stoked about because it's one of the biggest in the mid in the in the Mid Atlantic, um, and we got a nomination there actually for Grand Jury Best Feature um, and Best Music, which I know Phoebe was really really yeah. excited okay. about. Um, uh, and then, you know, as far as as far as the rest of the year, I mean, again, we're still waiting here probably from like 35, 40 festivals, you yeah. know. Um, we really hope, I mean, I don't know if there's wood to knock on, but sort of my the West Coast premiere I really want is uh, Dances with Films, which is a terrific film festival in L.A. Um, and, yeah, let's see where it takes us. Have you been to most of these film festivals? No. No. I haven't. No, no, no. Are you a film festival guy? No. Yeah. I'm always questioning that. I'm too envious. If I if I yeah. go and I don't have a project, I'll just be in a bad mood the whole time. Yeah, know, I went so. with, uh, <laughs> you know, Griffin. I went with Griffin to Toronto, and it was a little, like, it was a big, big fest. You know, that's a huge yeah. festival. But it was also like, I can't come back here without having done something or bringing sure. something here. Because it's, it's almost too, you realize how small you are. Sure. And it's a little like, okay, I got to go and do some stuff. Yeah. Know? And I mean, and with big festivals like that, I mean, you know, it's, uh, those, I mean, those festivals are tough. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I had big ambitions of like a, being that it's a music film. When I say music film, I, I should, I don't know if it's, it's been stated, but Phoebe Ryan wrote the, the, the soundtrack for the film. Yeah. With a couple of others. Um, so it's uh, it's all like an original soundtrack, and you know these songs are performed throughout the film, right? right. In the style of one since Adam Davis X Y and Z. So you know I had these big ambitions, like a South by Southwest kind of thing. But then you you know you look at who's opening South by Southwest, right. and it's like Jordan Peele's Us. You know right. what I mean? So I think, you know, I think there. But but I also think. But again, that's just that's just process, man. That's just to say, okay, so there's kind of a level of film that is playing Sundance that is playing South by Southwest you know and, and I, that doesn't discourage me right I just go okay well that's maybe that's maybe that's 
another step. You know, right. maybe maybe sort of the you know the features at X level aren't playing there. You know, not because they're not as good as right. any other feature, but I think these festivals they try to be breaking grounds for whatever is pop culture you know what i mean so you know they want something incredible like jordan peele's us to be there because he's a real sort of film tastemaker right right now you know so it's not it's not probably they don't have anything probably against my little movie you know but they do want whatever is going to make impact right so they need to bring in tickets they need to bring in tickets and i think they need to have they need to have that mark so anyways i I you know I, I still shoot for that kind of thing in the future and I think that'll maybe be a, the next film or so hopefully yeah. you know you know what I mean but it's all process to say okay so you have to you have to work backwards you have to say what are the films that are getting into these what do they look like what elements do they have and then how how can I bring that to my next project to, to better my chances of sure. getting somewhere like that so so um, what from your nine to five with tech cinema and yeah. all the politicals and whatnot what are some of the skills that you've developed having done all that that you brought to this one is there anything in particular uh yeah i mean listen man. besides everything yeah project management for sure um project management i think how to work how to work with a crew you know i think we in in washington dc especially you know you you tend to be with these kind of small it's usually just just like a dp and a producer maybe hair and makeup maybe you know um but but there is there is a process to working with a bigger crew and with yeah. department heads, and you know, I think when I when I get to work on a, I mean, you know, if I'm doing corporate stuff or like Web's Edge or or whatever, that's more, that's that's kind of smaller. You know, it's you, right. you go with a camera. It's you, a producer, and a camera, and that's yep. it. You know, but you know, if I'm working on a political ad, I've I've had the I've had the I've been blessed to have the opportunity to work on the bigger ads where we do have a bigger team. And if I am directing, I am directing with a bigger team. I've got right. my DP, I've got my sound department, I've got my hair and makeup, I have an art director, I have X, Y, and Z, and I think you I think you, as a director, to be your most effective, you have to have your hand in all that stuff, or at least understand that that's never to get anybody's way or step on any toes, but you know, if, if you, listen, if you don't understand lenses, it's gonna be tough right. to work with a DP, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I know a lot of directors are that way. I, I can't imagine not understanding how to lens my film, right. you know, but, so I think it's, I think, you know, for anybody that's trying to, do this kind of stuff I think just try try everything yeah. you know yeah. just so that you know it yeah. so uh, let's talk about the film itself sure. um, can you kind of give us the synopsis the yeah. elevator pitch so uh, in, in its in its most stripped down way possible it's about uh, a young woman who's a complete mess you know that's sort of a, tw- a lost 25 year old millennial uh, trying to pull her life back together through the one thing she can do which is sing right so um so you know she it's 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 one of these films where kind of uh, every time she takes a right turn she immediately takes a wrong turn right. and, and and it starts all over again but the one thing that is sort of the uh, the constant is her talent and that continues to shine through right mm-hmm. so it's it's a bit of a hopeful film it's not very hopeful because that makes it cheesy you know um, I wouldn't call it a dark film but I would call it a it's a, it's a, it's a pretty rough character study you yeah, know what yeah. I mean <laughs> so yeah what got you started down the road of writing the script what interested you um you know i think uh i think i'm I'm a fan of almost extreme sometimes right like i love films that have a, a really strong ensemble like a boogie yeah. nights or something you know but then on the opposite spectrum i love films that are just like full-blown character studies if i can stick with the paul thomas anderson thing like the master or something right. you know what i mean it's that. like so so I, I thought to myself you know i had written this other script called lifted which was the uber script that i was telling you about and that was kind of very ensemble and i was like yeah. you know maybe i just need to make something a little more focused a little a little more introspective you know so i i, I thought to myself okay well i'm i was 26 at the time 
I said, okay, I've got you know I've got a lot of friends that kind of uh, kind of are going through through quarter life crises right. a little bit, you know. And I thought to myself, why don't I just kind of try and take that and and amplify it to not not to a ridiculous level, but to a film right. <laughs> level, yeah. you know. And I kind of just yeah, I kind of just did that, you know. And then I just with my love of music, I used to play in a band. Um, I still play music. Uh, I thought to myself, well, this just seems like a perfect vehicle to not just have a typical oh, okay, I'm a lost millennial story who's a mess, but let's let's throw a terrific soundtrack in there as well. Yeah, so, yeah, no, that's yeah. a good idea. You know, what's funny is even as small as um, because we're all we're both still kind of sort of connected with the Mason sure. crowd. It's, yeah. They're all still, everyone's still somewhat connected. Yeah. Um, even though we've all kind of gone our different ways, and um, it's funny because the the lifted script. I remember hearing about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was it was that kind of classic like. You know, when you hear all these, like, Hollywood producers talk about, like, oh, yeah, I remember in the 80s or the 70s yeah. reading that script. It was kind of like that, where I'm like, I remember Roberto's script. Just hearing about it yeah, through yeah, the grapevine, yeah. it was so funny. Um, but it kind of was also cheered me up, because I'm like, you know, that means we're still always connected via someone. You know, sure, I think I heard about sure. the Griffin or Ashley or whatnot, you know. Um, we're only one person away yeah. from still reconnecting or connecting. Yeah. Um, Cool. So the process with Phoebe of, was there auditioning? Was there, I mean, you went out to LA and kind of talked it through with her, but by that time, had she already kind of signed on to the idea? You were just going to kind of, or were you actually like pitching it? You know, yeah, I mean, land it? I think, um, and I don't, I don't want to speak for her, but I think once, I think once she got the script, I think she was very interested in doing it, you know? Yeah. And I, I think for me, what was important was, one again, I was already a big fan of her music, so that mm-hmm. was a big plus for me. But I think for me, it was also important to say, okay, I need to meet her in person because I'm, to be honest, I'm I'm not much of an auditioner if that yeah. makes sense. I kind of just like I kind of know when I meet you if I think it'll work yeah. or it yeah. won't. You know, I just because I think I, I tend to write characters that are more influenced by real people's personalities and yeah. I think sometimes if I'm looking for somebody to play that character I'm always looking to see if like the person that influenced me if you have whatever yeah. they have you know, um, so. I went out to LA to meet Phoebe, uh, and I, you know, we had one conversation at some some diner in, in Hollywood, and I was just like, "Yeah, I know she can, she can do yeah. this," you know. And it, you got to remember, it's her first time acting in something, yeah. you know, it's okay. her sort of debut oh, acting role. Um, she's done music videos galore, but it's her first time really digging into a material on screen. And uh, but I, I, as soon as I met her, I was like, "Yeah, she's gonna yeah. nail this. Like, she's gonna." kill this you and, know? and was there a lot of conversations between you two about trying to guide her through that process y- yeah or did she kind of yeah certainly you know? well we, we we had two conversations one was the acting right mm-hmm. one was the script but then you got to remember the the other big lift here was we had four months to have a soundtrack ready right, you right, know right. and not just not just a soundtrack for in in the way like okay we're going to write some music this music is going to be featured right. like not just heavily like it completely directly in the yeah. film and perform You're doing music videos for a certain in, in some way, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I think we we had a lot of discussions as to like what the songs needed to be, and then she blew our minds. You know, it's and it, and it goes to show you. I mean, this is this is why you want to get the best people, no matter what facet it is of the film involved. It was June first, and we're starting August twentieth, and it's June first, and like I still haven't heard anything right. or I don't know anything you know and, and we had had a brief a little bit ago a little while back about what the songs were going to be but again I, I haven't heard anything Yeah. then I get like a text from her and she's like hey going into the studio tomorrow with Christian Medici who's the other guy who uh, helped write and produce the songs with her going to the studio tomorrow um, we'll send you updates 
I was like, what? what, what? And then, incredibly, <laughs> it, I mean, it was absolutely nuts. It was like, that was a Sunday. Monday came, and at the end of Monday, she sends me, like, a text with, like, an MP3 file, you know, of, like, a rough track they're doing, and it's incredible, and she did that for the next five days, oh, you know, cool. and within a week, we had a soundtrack. That's awesome. I mean, in a week, you yeah. know, and, uh, and it's really good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of these things where she's just, like, she knocked it out of the park, and, uh, I mean, it goes to show, you know, she's a professional recording musician, and obviously this is what they do, but it just it blows your mind when somebody just pulls something off like that in a week, yeah. and you go, like, not only is this, is this a, like, a high-caliber, yeah, you know quality wise but just artistically it's right incredible you know so yeah super cool it's always nice when someone who you like are an artist that you've connected with and then you kind of put to a certain extent you put a lot of the hope of the film in a lot it, of trust. and then they knock it out of the park yeah. that's what scott's like yeah on set sure it's just like the images are like okay thank god <laughs> you know you get you get up to the top of a mountain and you're like okay i really hope that this person can do you know this sure. task because and do it amazingly well sure you know? sure so sure that's good to hear is the is the soundtrack part of kind of the business plan of like selling the soundtrack is that kind of yeah definitely i mean i think we're uh I think the, the the soundtrack is obviously a part of the film. Yeah. You know, um, I think we're we're still trying to figure out how to you know how to exploit the film mm -hmm. you know commercially and 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 we have some ways that we're we're working that out. And I think the soundtrack will be in addition to that down the road okay. if that makes Got sense. Yeah, you know, yeah. um, you know Phoebe Willing and uh, her team Willing, of course. Gotcha. But uh, but that's yeah. We every you know the screening we just had on Saturday. Half the questions were when does the soundtrack come yeah, out? Yeah, you yeah. Know? I so bet. I think I think we all have major interest in it. I just don't think we want to. I don't want think we want to step one in front of the other. If that makes sense. I yeah. think first find the avenue for the film right. and then use the soundtrack as an ancillary sort of thing to it. Yeah. You know, but first the film. So um, in terms of getting the film sold, not sold, but in terms of your guys' plan on how you want to sell the film, mm -hmm. and what um, do you guys have a marketing plan, marketing but I mean, is that built into it? Does yeah, it? it it is, and I think uh, I think we're we're kind of in a you know sort of in the same way as as I I, I call it like growing a new limb on how to make the film, and, but how to make a, a re, a, an actual film, you know, how to finance it, how to do that. I think we're currently in, in a bit of a discovery phase with distribution, not because not because we don't know how to get it distributed. Actually, funny enough, we've already, we're already speaking to sales agents. Like, we're already wow. kind of in a good place. But, you know, and and, and I'm trying to say this in the in, in sort of the most, like, uh, copacetic way possible, right. but I think, there, I think it's the Wild West of distribution yeah. right now, you know, and I think uh, we don't want to do ourselves a disfavor by just signing on to the first few people that take interest in the film right so i think we're doing a lot of research into what is going to be the best avenue for this film given that it has an inherent market with phoebe's music um also our lead actor jake etheridge who's on the tv show nashville oh, okay. um he's a platinum artist in the netherlands with a band called the common Linnets. funny enough so you know there, there are some really kind of inherent markets to the film already yeah that we don't want to not take into account moving forward into distribution. So yeah. I think, you know, the, again, we just, listen, we just finally had a screening of the film, yeah. you know? So I think ask me again in about six months and I'll probably have a better answer gotcha. for you. Do you have some, is that ideas and plans that you're forming or is the core team that you produce the film with? The team. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, so yeah. other people are kind of bringing you ideas as well, saying like, what if you, what if, think about this, think about this. I, I don't know if we're all bringing each other ideas. I think we're all, I think we're just all, I think we're all in the same, we're all in the same 
boat that you know I don't know if you saw the film Thunder Road have you seen this film yeah 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 Jim Cummings I was literally film. reading an article about it yeah what a what an incredible film and mind yeah. you you know I mean people don't realize sometimes that you know he got into the Sundance Creative Distribution right. Fellowship which is a big push mm-hmm. right but nonetheless I mean I, I don't believe that just because you get into something like that that your film becomes a success you know Kogonata did the same thing for a Columbus I don't know if you saw that yeah. but you know, this is so. If you saw that, and for those who haven't seen Thunder Road, you know it's an amazing film that won South by Southwest in 2018, and uh, Jim Cummings is becoming a bit of a sort of like a film film's working class hero type, right. you know, who's saying, you know, I want South by Southwest and distributors came to me with advances that I wasn't happy with, so I found alternative routes to distributing my film and they ended up distributing it in France, you know, and yeah, right. made their budget back in a weekend and X, Y, and Z, and it's a bit of a fairy tale, and I get that, but I just think it goes to show you that nobody really knows anymore. Right. At this point in yeah. time, I think, you know, with with the, you know, with, with distributors now being online and the streaming services and X, Y, Z, I think people are still trying to figure out how does this look? How does this work as a financial model? Yeah, you know, and to be honest with you, I've I've spoken with you know some people that that do know their stuff, and I haven't been convinced. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think I don't know. Yeah, no. There's speaking yeah. of Thunder Road. There was an article that went around. I think it was on premium. I think Premium Beat just put out an sure. article about them because they're starting to blog about that stuff. But it was I sent it around to the H and D team because it was we got to think about this um, because I, and with Harmony, like I we went in. Harmony's your feature film. Harmony's my feature film. We went into it and with production in mind saying like, I don't want to do the, just the festival route and then hope, you know, that type of thing. It was very clearly like I was going to investors saying like, that would be great, but that's probably not going to happen. So let's talk about all the things that we can do if that doesn't happen, which it probably won't. And there's suddenly it all splinters and you can do any number of different things. The question is like, what is that going to do? And the metrics for that, um, I think, are another 10 years down the line in terms of what Thunder Road does, right. if that's going to replicate over the course of time. You know? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I think... You know, you have to, you have to, you have to ask yourself, and I mean, this is obviously we're kind of like taking a right turn into a whole yeah, different conversation completely. about distribution, but I do think it's it's interesting to kind of muse on right now this idea that you know con- content is being purchased differently than it used to be purchased, right? right? So it's not like oh, okay, it's not 1992 when you made El Mariachi and right. oh, and now they want to put your film in movie theaters. You know, like barely any movies make it to movie theaters right. these days, not mainstream movie theaters. You know, maybe sure some people get limited releases, and but there's no real money in that anyways you know and I'm not saying that we're out here for the money but you know for me my goal is to find a a a working wheel to create feature films and make it sustainable right so it's never about saying oh we're here trying to get rich but it's about saying like things cost money right Right. it costs X amount of money to at least make a feature film even at the level that I made a feature film at right right? so I have to find a way to make that sustainable model or or else in my opinion there's no reason to do it right because what then we're just gonna be throwing our way our way our money and like our time and suffering for this thing that won't have an audience and won't have a means to to further our careers or to make another thing i mean at the end of the day we're storytellers man we want to continue to tell stories right so we have to find and i think the i sound you know i sound probably political but the economics of it is is like you have to find a way to make that a sustainable business model you know so i think that's that's the, the key thing for me this year is it's not just kind of like be starry-eyed by saying, oh, a, a sales agent wants to represent my film. Because unless a sales agent can literally come to me and say, you know, these are the markets, these are the territories, X, Y, and Z, and this is what we know we're going to get, I think we could do the same thing. Right. 
yeah, you know through a website or well or, it's, or however. you know how many how many territories are there in the world there's like over 200 countries in the world right, right? you know and they all have they all have their own channels. They all have their own streaming services. They all have their no. no don't get me wrong. If you don't want to put in that work, <laughs> right? You know, then then sure, maybe it is best that you get bundled in with somebody. You know, but nobody's going to be your film's biggest biggest advocate except for yourself, right? So, anyways, that's my preach. Hey, no. Yeah. But, yeah, the yeah, one yeah, thing yeah. we do on this podcast <laughs> is rant. Sure, <laughs> and go yeah. On tangents. Yeah. yeah. How was the reaction at DCI? Oh man, it was so good. Yeah. 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 I mean. It looked like a blast. Everybody laughed at the right places. You know, it's one of these things, and I'm sure you'll find this in Harmony soon, where, you, especially with a feature, because it's, it's long form, yeah. you know, you spend so much time looking at this thing that you just become desensitized to it, yeah. you know, and I think uh, you get to a level where you don't even know what you're looking at anymore, yeah, right. <laughs> you yeah. know? So I think uh, I think we all felt very affirmed when we had the, our first real screening that, oh, yeah, no, this was always a good script yeah. oh yeah this was always funny oh that scene yes we did direct that the right way right. you know there's this scene in the film that i won't give away that takes place at a, at a courtroom which got one of the biggest laughs in in the whole film and like i haven't laughed at that scene yeah. probably in like six months you know what i mean <laughs> like it's one of these things where it's like oh yeah no we did that film that right funny. that yeah, scene right. did work you know so there's nothing cooler than that man yeah it was yeah. it was really great and i can't wait to have many more screenings of it. How so. how long do you think your festival? You said you had like forty. How long do you think that festival window will be? You know, I doubt we'll get into the next forty. But even if we get into the next ten, I mean, that'll probably take us through January of next year. Gotcha. Yeah, and that's not to say that we're gonna hold out during that time to do distribution. I think. Yeah, uh, I you know, I think. I think if if again if either we crack the code ourselves or if we get the right offer in the meantime, we'll happily go with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, as an artist. Staying in DC? Oh, you mean in the long run? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, DC's always been home, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not kind of a person that that chases cities. I, I more chase opportunities, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. So, don't get me wrong. If uh, if, you know, if if Dakota leads me to a terrific opportunity and I have to move to LA, Wisconsin, I don't care where it is to yeah. make another project. Um, I'm I'm certainly game for it. But I think DC, in some ways, will maybe always be headquarters yeah sure. or, or one of the head maybe it'll be like amazon maybe I'll have a couple headquarters sure. you know but but dc will always be involved so going off of that is um what's the goal is it directing is it writing and directing is it features you know yeah i mean i've i think a little bit like you you know i've always been a writer director um and i want to i want to continue to have the opportunity i mean how lucky are we to even get yeah. to do even what we've done right and you know even just are, are smaller and I'm for those who aren't watching I put quotations there smaller because they're not small you know yeah. it's it's takes a lot of your takes a lot you know I, I heard Guillermo del Toro one time say like he was like oh man I can only do so many more of these and they asked why you're so good and you're so successful at it he's like yeah but I lose a part of myself every time yeah. you know yeah. and it's not like uh, losing I think it's putting it the, the wrong way I think we're we're giving it yeah. you know willfully but it takes a lot out of you mm -hmm. you know um and i think what i want to find is a way to again like i said make it sustainable so that you can live a good happy life and get to tell the stories you yeah. want to tell so. so you just brought up something that's really really interesting which is and it is the big difference and i'm going to get into this later you know and later down the line um kind of giving context to harmony yeah because it was such a growth in terms of my not just like qualities and abilities but it was also like how you literally do this and still continue to have a life because sure. you know i've got a you've got a girlfriend yeah, yeah. yes got a girlfriend my girlfriend and, and business partner yeah and you know you've got that at home i've got a wife at home you know I, I you're building a family and how do you 
the difference between block one and block two for me was block one, I literally gave everything and it was in the lead up to my wedding. And then Ooh, block two yeah. was took so long, partly because it was, okay, how do I figure out how to do this? And I got to leave, I'll be gone, but I can leave and come back to a stable home. And it was really, really an important, sure. and it's not something successful artists, not saying you're not successful, but you know, the people that we aspire to be, the filmmakers we aspire to be, talk about that all that much. Because mm-hmm. um, it is a very like, one thing goes wrong on set and it can affect the ripple effects. So it's interesting to yeah. I read an article recently. Um, it was just it was it was super sort of germane to my life, and I think I read it closer to when we had wrapped Dakota, which was like late last year. Um, it was a it was a producer talking about how the the stress of producing doesn't get talked about very much, but yeah. that like producers as as a career tend to have super high stress levels, tend to have you know. Um, there's, I think there's like high divorce rates. There's yeah. high all this stuff, but, but I think it's because I mean you got to remember if you're producing something and you'd know this very well because you produce all of your stuff is it's all on your shoulders, right. man. You know I think creatively as a director, sure that's on your shoulders, but when you're when you're splitting duties, when it's not just like oh, okay, this picture has to be a success on a creative level, but right. this picture also has to be on a success on a practical level. People have to show up to set. There right. has to be food. There has to be all this stuff, you know. So I think for me, what I found is. I'm not saying I've, I've in any way found the healthiest sort of split of how all that works, but I will say you have to build the right team. Yeah. I had Carson McKenzie Smith, who I'm giving a big shout out to if she ever listens to this, um, was our UPM, Unit Production Manager, slash first AD. And without Carson McKenzie Smith and my girlfriend, Annie Schlossman, they worked together, you know, I would have lost my mind. Right. You know, um, Carson, she was the last person I hired after I had hired the rest of the crew. And, you know, I had done a lot of the legwork of I got all the locations. I casted the thing. Annie, my girlfriend, was securing our 150 extras. 150 people. That's a lot of people yeah. to take care of. You know, Carson came in and, you know, when I was when I interviewed her, I asked her, I said, like, are you are you a self starter? Are you like are you a manager? Right. And she managed me on the call, <laughs> yeah. you know, on that first call. And I knew she's she's the one, you know. And she came in and just like literally took this giant mess that I had sitting in front of me and turned it into a beautiful organized library, yeah. you know. And you know that's that's how I think we had ten hour days on Dakota. You know, people are always like, "Why you didn't do sixteen hour days?" And it's like, no, we had ten hour days. And we got a terrific looking film out of it. Why? Because I had the best people that I could find that I trust working in each and and heading each of the respective departments you know so because a film a film at the end of the day is just a it's just a factory isn't it you know and and if you don't if you don't have if one machine is broken the rest of the 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 assembly line is screwed right right so i think if there's any advice i can give to anybody about this stuff and and how to have a saner work-life balance is don't don't put it all on yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and that's easier said than done because, oh, people will go, oh, but I don't have the money to do this. And then, yeah, well, that's for you to figure out. Right. Maybe it's not about money. Maybe you have to find the right favor, <laughs> right. you know, but at the end of the day, like if you if you try and do it all yourself, good luck. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, yeah. Is there um, kind of the next script you're working on right now? Yeah, I've got a couple of ideas that I don't want to give away, but... Uh, yeah, and uh, but but I'm not I'm not sort of pressed to, to jump into it. You know, like I said, I think more important for me is I've I've said it a million times is figure out this model before yeah 
raising more money and doing another thing. And, so. and that is because it's the same with HMD. That is kind of the goal is to figure out okay, how do we do? How does Tag Cinema do? Yeah, how do we continue know, to make? How do we continue to make feature films and and continue to scale them? You know, yeah. because I think. Listen, if you can make if you can make the hundred thousand dollar feature, you can for sure make the three hundred thousand right. dollar feature. The difference is, did you recoup your hundred thousand dollar feature? And if you can figure out a model to do that, then you'll re you'll have you'll at least have that base model to recoup your three hundred thousand dollar feature and yeah. so on and so forth. So how how was the filming in DC? It's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, the DC film office was just awesome to work with. They gave us all the permitting that we needed. Um, I. I I'm, I'm very fortunate to know a lot of business owners in the area that were uh, that were more than willing to let us use. I mean, we filmed all over, man. Jam and Java, Rock and Roll Hotel, St. Arnold's Muscle Bar, The Coffee Bar. Uh, we filmed at the Arlington Courthouse. Like, the Arlington oh, yeah. Court, yeah, Arlington, by the way, Arlington's film office is incredible. I mean, they're the most helpful people. Um, where didn't we film? We had a we had a forty two seater like New York City style, the ones that take you up to New York, one yeah, of those big yeah. buses, you know. Uh, Epicure Cafe in Fairfax, which yeah. you know, we filmed all over the place, man. So it was it was awesome. Yeah, we had a lot of support. There's a lot of productions that come to DC. Um, I'm always interested in talking about like, okay, filmmaker DC filmmakers making films in DC or the DC yeah. Virginia. Yeah, I don't know. Area. I don't know if the next you know, I'm I'm starting. I'm working on the next couple of scripts already, and I'm not saying they're going to necessarily be based in DC. But again, I I tend to not be very focused on. I don't, I don't tend to stamp my projects with like a, with a location, if that makes yeah, sense, yeah. you know, just yeah. because I don't, I, I tend to not write things set on Mars, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Sure. Like, I, it's typically a little more human condition-ish, which can kind of be said anywhere, right? Yeah. So. Well, and I was going to get to your, you have a very, as long as I've known you and I've, as much as I've watched your projects, you have a very particular style. Sure. Uh, it's very Sorkin. Is, uh, is... Dakota kind of continuing in that, or what were some of the growth areas yeah, in terms of as a writer? Dakota is, but actually, you know, funny enough, I think uh, over the last since writing Dakota and and now even moving forward, I think I think I've built a stronger visual language, right? I okay. think when I was younger, like when you saw my projects, like my first movie, Suffering Cassandra, and Highball, and all that stuff, you know, I, I don't think I had I don't think I had quite the the sort of the the dictionary of, of visuals right. that I have now, right? So I think I was making up for that by I'm naturally glib, so right. that comes easy to me to write that kind of dialogue driven stuff. Dakota pulled back from that a little bit, and while it is while it is dialogue driven, it's not like we don't have four minute dialogue scenes going right. back and forth. You know, it's actually all pretty snappy. And actually, the the new stuff that I'm writing, you know, strips it down even more. I've actually become a huge fan of. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Pal Palakowski's films. He just did uh, Cold War, which just oh, came out, okay, which yes. is like a masterpiece. And he did Ida or Ida a couple of years ago, um, and I, I actually I love I love his sort of uh, his approach to filmmaking, which is you know he 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 writes these scripts that are full of exposition just to get the financing for the movie. And then by the time he films it, he just strips everything out and just leaves interesting (laughs) scenes. And I think for me, uh, in Dakota's, it was very much this way. Our first cut of Dakota was essentially an hour and 40 minutes. And I got it down to an hour and 22 just by stripping it out of everything that was unnecessary, you know? And one could argue what's necessary, what's not necessary. But for me at the end of the day, and and in kind of a Cohen-esque way, it's just like what literally, what just does the scene just need? And that's it, you know? And if there's a joke in there, only if it plays within the complete bone of the film, no yeah. fat whatsoever, you know? So that's kind of how I approached Dakota in the cutting room. And I think it, it's really paid off, I think. You yeah. Know? I think you, I was, when the, the few people that we tested the film with, 
I always looked out for two things. I always looked out for like if they ever looked down at their phone mm-hmm. to check the time yep. or to check a text, you know, or I ever looked just watched their face to see if, I, if they were ever like squinching or like they couldn't quite understand what was going on. Um, and I took notes every time I saw that happen. And I cut all of those moments out of the movie, yeah. you know. And I think you know people that were at DCIFF would speak to it better than I can. But I don't think that happened. I think for the most part, people were just engaged because the film is boom, 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 yeah. boom, and it doesn't stop doing that all the way down yeah you know so yeah. what was um what were some of the biggest lessons learned on the shoot or even even from writing the script into the shoot what was um i think i'll call this a lesson learned but i won't say i won't put a negative connotation behind it i think um my my unit production manager carson had me you know she she in fact she enforced that i had to storyboard the whole thing mm-hmm. you know and uh and she was 100% right. I mean, we had 27 locations in 18 yeah. days. If you don't if you don't have an exact an exact plan as to what you're going to execute when you get in there, you're you're probably effed, you know. Um, so I did that. I mean, I literally had everything story I storyboarded it myself. I spent 2 months, luckily I have a pool here in the roof, yeah. so I spent 2 months just like storyboarding on the roof. And by the time we got to set, and I knew every location, yeah. it was literally just like camera, boom, 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 and we move on. Now, the biggest lesson learned for me from from working that way because I'd never worked that way before. You know, mm-hmm. high boss, I'm from Cassandra, I'm very, I was maybe much like, I get there and I play, right. you know? Um, and I love that because I think you just get really creative stuff out of that, you right. know? This was very much more of a Coen Brothers way of doing it. Right. It was just like medium shot, medium shot, you know, interesting shot here and that's it, move on, get rid of it. Now, what I learned from that is that's a really efficient way to make a film and you will make the film on script, you right. know, and that's awesome. Moving forward, I think I need to have time to play. Not because I want to get a, a wackier shot, just because if you're focused on, if you're in a, in a Ridley Scott way, if you're focused too much on the process, I think you can lose a little bit of like spending time with your actors right. yeah. and really not, not just saying like, okay, say the lines as they are on the script and again, everything is a machine, but like saying like, how is this going to work best for us here, right. you know? Um, and you don't know that until you're in the space and you're mm-hmm. literally doing the scene with these people, you yeah. know? And again, I was really fortunate to have just the most talented group of actors and crew that could make all that work, and we have a beautiful film out of it, but but it was nerve-wracking to think, like, oh, man, like, we're being so mechanical about this. Like, what if it feels mechanical at the end? And we're, I'm lucky we didn't, but I don't want to risk it in the future, yeah. you know? So that's that, yeah. Can I ask about what was the toughest day? Uh, the toughest day was the one 11-hour day, 11-and-a-half-hour day we had, which was uh, at Jam and Java, um, not because... So I'll, I'll give you the three toughest days in, in short, very abridged version. Jam and Java was not tough because there was anything inherently tough about it, but we had 46 setups that we had to do, yeah. right? And there's a, there's a performance, there's also a pre-performance, and there's, during the performances, many little scenes that are happening all throughout the place, right? Now, we shot the whole film on a, a Red Dragon camera, and we shot single camera, except for performance scenes, in which case we had two Reds going, right? Okay. And you know, you would think, oh, well, that makes it easier, right? But actually, I'm sure you've tried to shoot multi-camera before. Mm-hmm. When you're shooting multi-camera, oh, man, one shot looks great. There's a terrible shadow on the right. other shot, you know. So it was just a lot of stuff. Also, we had, I think, 40 extras that day. And, again, I have the most organized Carson McKenzie Smith, the most organized first AD ever. But it's tough, man, when you're thinking, okay, we have 40 people coming to be extras. We, again, we have to know exactly what our crowd shots are. Right. And our crowd shots, we're getting in between getting a lot of other stuff. So it's like, okay, we're shooting over here. And now we have the 
the crowd coming in, and now we're gonna go leave that part of the scene and go back to the performance, which we had cut already earlier, and reshoot that. And it's it's a mental nightmare. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's it's I don't like to work that way, but there's no other way to work. You know, so that was just tough because of just the sheer volume of work. Um, the other two tough days were filming on the bus was in 90 degree weather was really rough. Mm-hmm. Luckily, the bus had air conditioning, but. I don't do well with moving yeah. cars and, oh, uh, see, you know, yeah. especially, I mean, I, I'm fine if I'm facing forward and listening to music, but if I'm trying to direct and be in this moving car, it's, you have to think about the, the bus needs to feel like it's in constant motion and we're, you, we're not just up against time with the light and with the bus rental, but we're up against time with DMV traffic and when right. will traffic on 495 start, which means we're going to be stopped as opposed to moving. So there's just like a lot of challenges And the last yeah. tough day was we filmed that new district brewing company. My good friends, Mike Catravanos and Steve Catravanos own it. It's a beautiful. They have the go drink their beer. Great beer. Great space. Um, but filming at this industrial warehouse, we can't have all the machines on. We can't have the AC on. It's 95 degrees outside. It's August, you yeah. know, and we got to shut everything off to film. It was hot yeah, in there. It I was bet. really, really hot. So, yeah, those are the tough days. You write and direct. Correct. And I've always known you as a writer-director, um, and it's very clear, and it's always been very clear, that okay this is Roberto's film this is his style sure um is can you talk about like writing I'm very interested in writing into directing the not just I write I direct but what one thing I figured out on Harmony was how much I enjoyed the collaboration so that when I got onto set to direct it wasn't even my script it felt like someone else's script yeah it, do you think you came closer to ha- what you've done in the past or kind of strayed away from it or has it kind of been the same with Dakota? Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, uh, I I would love to direct somebody else's script if I just found the right script. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's that's the thing for anybody, isn't it? I, I, I don't like to pretend that I could just be given a script and that I'll be the right fit for right, it, yeah. you know? So I think I, I, th- I think I know what I'm... I think I'll know if I, if I see it when I'll be the right fit for it. I think for me... Yeah, I think for me, writing and directing is more so... I mean, I, I can't imagine writing without directing, right? Like, I can't imagine writing a screenplay that somebody else is going to direct. Does right, that make same. sense? Yeah, no, same with me. Um, and I think there's positives and negatives to that. You know, the positives are I, I, I really know what I want the script to accomplish. Right. The negatives are it could you risk it being sort of completely, you know, what's the right word here? Uh, completely just... Uh, tunnel visioned right completely just like narrow-minded just like oh this is clearly my voice my opinions my everything you know but at the same time and i think like what what else is art right except for a complete expression of you know sort of whatever nuances you don't necessarily show the world that you're just like letting out through this this medium you know like you're just you're just kind of a so anyways i don't know man i I think uh, i think for me writing dakota and it's interesting right because and maybe you're feeling this with Harmony. I don't know. I wrote Dakota in 2016, mm-hmm. right? It's 2019 now. I made it in 2018. I was very fortunate. It only took me two years to get it made. Only really a year after we, we got the things in motion, right. right? Which I'm super happy about. But I will say, it is interesting now. I just turned 29 in February, um, and I was 26 when I wrote the, sc- mm-hmm. the screenplay. And I am a different person than right. when I was 26. And my and my concerns are different, you yeah. know, and sort of like the things that I care about in some ways are different. And uh, 
I think the hard thing about art is is you have to you make something and, and you have to live with it. And I'm so, I'm so proud of Dakota and I love Dakota and I can certainly I'm happy to be living with Dakota. Yeah. But I think it's one of these things where it's like the struggle as a filmmaker, as an artist, as a writer is you're constantly trying to you're constantly trying to express whatever your most recent version of yourself yep. is. You know, and I think um, I can't wait to make something else because I feel like it'll be even a clearer sort of like a you know a sort of clearer map pastiche of who I am as a human right. you know which I which I love but but at the same time I'm sure by the time I'm done making that I'll have moved on and I'll be a completely different person by that point yeah. you know so so I don't know man I think writing is extremely personal to me and 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 because of how personal it is to me that's I think what makes it tough because yeah, yeah. you know that's that Dakota was a film that I really cared about and I really you know this whole like lost millennial in their mid-20s yeah. thing you know and I think I was able to tap into that to make the film but it's funny while I was making that I was like I don't even necessarily relate to this anymore as yeah, a person right. <laughs> you know yeah. like and I, many will and that's awesome and many did and the people that I've seen it and again I think what what I really what I really strived for when making the film after having the two years of disconnect from writing it was okay so the character is going to be the character right but what I need to focus on as a director is how to make it empathetic to anybody at any age, right. you know. And I think I think that really benefited the script, the fact yeah. that I was older and I didn't make it when I was 26, because it probably would have been rowdier and sillier, but right. not necessarily in a positive way. Maybe in a more myopic way to just people that are 26 and 25 and 27, and not to a broader audience, right. you know. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm proud of that. Yeah, the it's it's been. I hate that it took so much time going through Harmony, but it, it, I kind of came into it going like, well, I'm not going to write this. Mike is going to write this, sure. and then the process of us like him writing I wrote the story and then he wrote the script and then it was a long 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 process of us bouncing back and forth you know him doing revisions me making notes on that and then it got to the point where I was just starting to write as well sure but I'm so happy it took so long because I came out of it and I just came out of production you know three weeks ago um Congrats, excited by the way it's huge thanks yeah. <laughs> um not to steal your thunder which no, is no, no, no. um but I came out of it going like, I'm excited to write the next one. Yeah. And I want to write the next one because I learned so many writing lessons in terms of like what I need to have as a filmmaker, as a writer, what I need to have going into a script so that I can do the proper character work. Sure. You know, because I, I have to have a certain amount of story mm. for me to start understanding what are these characters about. Mm. And it was going through that process, you know, a mm. long process that, you know... The, Again, I wish it was. I wish we had a factory for this, but I wouldn't have learned it any other way. You know, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, for for all you young filmmakers listening, you're not going to learn any other way than just doing it. Yeah, you know, yeah. You're, you're literally there's. I you know, I I was a pretty pompous 22 year old when I graduated George Mason, thinking oh, I could make Burn After Reading right now if right. I wanted to. You know, and I probably couldn't. Yeah, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? But but it's it, listen. It's good to believe in yourself, and it's good to just try. I mean, you, if if you're this is this is this is about the most trite thing I'll say on the show. Okay, but if you're too scared to fail, you're not going to do anything. Yeah, you right. know, you gotta you gotta do and you gotta fail. You know, and which I, I think what actually it's never failing. You know, yeah, no, like you know, Highball didn't get into Sundance, but I won other awards at other film festivals, right. and I started going to film festivals. You know, yeah. Sabrina and Cassandra didn't win Sundance, didn't get into Sundance, but I got into film festivals. I won more awards. I learned how to write a feature. You know right. what I mean? And Dakota will do what Dakota does, and I'm sure Dakota will lead to whatever the next thing is. And again, scale, guys. Scale. Yeah. It's all about scale. Yeah. But Highball, but I remember seeing, like, I remember watching it multiple times because sure. I like that short so much. Sure. And I talk about, um, you know, the HMD crew is very, I don't know if, 
I have a feeling it's this way, but you know, HMD and I particularly watch what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. From the like, we're I, I'm I'm always happy when you have a success. Thanks, man. But yeah. I am very much like my eye is to okay, what is Roberto up to right now? <laughs> um, and That's like cool. Dakota, yeah. like when I saw that you were filming a feature and stuff, it was um, I was like, okay, like I have to not in a very positive way say like. What am I doing right now? Sure, that I can be okay with myself because Roberto's going off and taking a feature. <laughs> well, I think that's you know? what it is. I mean, we're all you know we're all connected with social media and stuff. Yeah. So I think uh, I mean I think at the end of the day, all all of us kind of Mason kids of I can call it. We all support each other, don't we? You know, yeah, I think yeah. We're, it's very supportive. Yeah, like none of this sure. is yeah, yeah. negative. Yeah. It's always like I'm watching Roberto's career oh, with incredible interest because I want to gain all the knowledge that you have you know and you're and the good thing is you're two years ahead of me so you're taking a lot of the blows that i'm (laughs) sure but it is very much like i like ashley and i were talking about like i was asking her all these questions i didn't want to shoot you the questions because you were time you were busy you know but i was asking ashley about like hey what's the vibe like what's going on i hope she had good things to say she did she had great things she's like man (laughs) he's on top of it and in fact she came uh, when you guys had wrapped and she was kind of going through the footage and stuff, she goes, uh, she messaged me. She goes, you need to reconnect with Roberto, oh. but you also need to follow this film because it could, it, this can do stuff. Sure. Like, it, it's that good. Sure. Um, you know, and she's like, it's not kind of the balls out. Like, it, it's very Roberto doing character study, doing what he does very, very well. Um, and which is different than I think what the HMD crew does because um, we just love to create problems for ourselves. But um, <laughs> it was very much like there were lessons here to learn yeah. from Roberto's experience. Yeah, well, I mean, I think I've, I've always admired what you guys are up to at HMD, and in particular you, Zach, because I think you guys, I think you guys, we all take our own, we all take our own assessed risks in a lot yeah. of ways, right? And I think I, I think I've always been, I've had a proclivity always towards, like, again, character studies and just right. very kind of acting heavy stuff. But I'm always impressed when you guys are like, you guys think really big about the stuff you want to do, you know? And I, I mean, I can't imagine trying to put together a sci-fi feature film, you know? I mean, I, I don't, one, I, I just don't think that way necessarily off the top of my head, but two, like just the, it's a, I'm sure it's a big undertaking, right? To say like, we don't have $50 million to make right. this movie, but we're going to set this movie on space or whatever it is, yeah. you know what I mean? That's huge, man. So kudos to you guys. It That's is, terrific. but you, you, you know? having 140 extras on set makes me sweat. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Like it's funny. Yeah. It's like we'll we'll work know. ourselves to like. Okay, we want this really sci-fi setting, but how do we get no? How do we explain that there's no one in the hallway? <laughs> sure, you know? sure, sure, sure. So it's uh, that's funny. Well, that you know the whole extras thing with Dakota in particular is something that we figured out probably in the middle of putting the whole thing together, which was oh yeah, she's performing right all the time in this movie and like it's not going to be very uh, one thing it's never it's not going to be real if you're just at a cafe and there isn't anybody else there right, right? but yeah. another thing is like oh man if you're on a stage and there are at least 40 people in that crowd then yeah. like are is really you know yeah. what I mean how are you going to sell this to an audience right. you know so yeah. everything has its own sort of inherent thing right yeah so, totally yeah. Well, hey, man, um, we'll wrap this up. I'm so excited for you. Thanks. I really Thanks, am. Brian. I'm glad we got to reconnect. Um, I have a feeling that you are on the front of probably the next five years. There's going to be a lot more filmmakers that we're starting sure. to talk to. Sure. And I want to know them. Yeah. And I want them to know each other. And that yeah. was, you know, the first podcast. 
that's the idea with this one is to connect. If, the, if, if I can have a last thought about what you're saying about the DC community, look, we're, this this city, this metro area is full of just some of the most talented people. Yeah. And, and I'm not, I, I get that you, you're supposed to say that if this is your hometown, but no, I mean that. I mean, this is, this uh, you know, this isn't a little small place where we have real, real talent here, both on the in front of camera and behind the camera thing. What we don't have here and we've never had, and, and we have to find a way is to sort of build that 20s Paris thing where we're all right. hanging out and, and yeah. working together. We all have our cliques. We all have our crews. You have HMD. I have my people. But listen, man, if we could build a scene, yes. a real yeah. scene, you know, and that, that doesn't mean that it's a scene that the rest of the world is watching, just our scene, right. more projects will get made because there will be more exposure to really, really, really yep. high caliber filmmakers yeah. that we have locally. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, you know? it's yeah. looking up. All right, guys. Uh, you have a great week. Roberto, thanks for coming on. Cheers, man. Thanks. And, uh, oh, real quick before we end, where can people go to follow yes. Dakota? So dakotamovie.com, D-A-K-O-T-A movie.com. You can subscribe there. We'll have uh, plenty of updates. There's also um, on Instagram at dakota.movie. Um, and then Twitter and Facebook, it's just at Dakota Movie, no period in between. Uh, please follow us for updates. We will have, again, we have two screenings in April, one at Nova Film Festival on April 8th, one at uh, Richmond International Film Festival on uh, April 23rd, and hopefully there will be many more around the country. Yeah. So. And if people want to follow you yep. or tag cinema, where can they go? So you can uh, follow me on my Instagram, which is my first name, Roberto, my middle initial C, last name Carmona, Roberto C. Carmona. We can probably put a link up. Yeah. Um, and my company is Tag Cinema, which is just at Tag Cinema, T-A-G Cinema. Um, and it's TagCinema.com as well. Hey guys, just wanted to remind you that not only can you find the Full Frame Podcast on HMD's website, www.hmdfilms.com, but you can find us on Facebook, and most importantly, you can find us on iTunes, where we would really like if you could leave a review and subscribe. Thanks. Have a great week. Thank you.